going to do is tonight I'm just going to take a portion of this book by Mark Batterson, Circle Maker. And this came out, you know, a couple years ago. And I read it a couple years ago, and it really influenced my life a lot and my prayer life a lot. And then uh, in, the, in the men's group um, on second and fourth Tuesdays, we're meeting here in the crown room. And uh, we're, what we're doing is there's a video series that goes along with this book. And I really felt led to, to present this to the men. And it's, it's just so encouraging to see them embracing this in prayer. And, uh, I, you know, it's amazing when you go back over something. I read it, like I said, about a year ago. And um, I have just been so challenged by some of the things in this book. I want to share them with you tonight and just look at them. So it's, we're, not, we're not doing the book per se, but we are going to talk about a couple things that, that are inspirational from the first part of that book tonight. <clears throat> Did I ever tell you about my first hospital call when I was in the ministry? I don't know if I told you about this before, and I probably didn't because it's embarrassing, but uh, when I started in the ministry full-time, I was an intern at a church in North San Diego County, uh, Escondido, California, and that part of the community that we lived in was a retirement community. The church was, was a retirement, probably aged church, aged-weighted church, so we had a lot of hospital calls every week, and uh, my very first solo hospital call, I got the call to go to a cardiac care unit. I'd never been to a cardiac care unit before. Honestly, at that point in my life, I didn't think I knew what it was. I knew what ICU was, but I didn't know what cardiac care unit was. So my first challenge as a 21-year-old fresh minister was actually getting up there. Because they took one look at me and they said, "Uh, you don't look like a pastor. And you don't look like you'd be this person's pastor. So, you know, I didn't have business cards or anything. And I was, you know, they had to call the church to verify. This is in 1985. You know, I don't know if they'd even do that today, but... But as it was, you know, they called the church to verify, and so I'm already feeling kind of stupid. So I go up there, and this particular cardiac care unit, they had these double doors that sealed. So I could see the man in there in the bed, and he had all these machines hooked up to him. And um, so they, they gowned me up, and it was a very serious situation. And they opened the doors, and the doors went, and opened up. And I walked in, and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't conscious or looking at me, and I laid my hands on him. And just as I started to pray, all the buzzers went off. <laughs> you know? And I'm looking around like, what did I do? I thought I touched something. And right away, they ushered me out, pulled out. He had, he had passed away right then and there. And I remember standing on the other side of those double doors and watching and feeling like, really? God, I didn't even pray yet. I didn't even get to say anything. And this, uh, you know, this poor man and the doctor comes out and you know, he says, oh, there's nothing you can do. Well, it wasn't me doing anything in the first place. I wasn't thinking I could do anything. But I remember driving home or driving back to the church and thinking, I'm not sure exactly how to tell the pastor <laughs> what just happened and probably won't get to go on many more prayer calls. But, um, but that wasn't the first time I'd prayed for somebody. I mean, I prayed for a lot of people, and I'd seen God do incredible miracles even as a kid in my family. And I know I've shared some of those stories with you where I've watched people get healed while I was praying for them. I'm not saying that my prayer healed them. I'm just saying that I was praying for them, and I've watched God heal. Remember I told you about my little sister? We came home from Sunday. My parents always prepared a roast in the oven while we were gone at church. And so we'd come home, and the first thing my dad would do is take that out and sit it on the stove, and we'd all go change or whatever and come back, and then we'd have a Sunday meal. And that, that was, I mean, my parents probably still do that. I, I'm not sure. But we, we did that all the way through, you know, when I was growing up. But I remember one day coming home, my sister was 10 years younger than me, and you know, so I was probably 12 because she was, she was walking toddler 
And we'd come home, and we were all changing, and we hear this blood-curdling scream. I know I told you this story before. And what she had done is toddled into the kitchen and reached up on the stove like kids are do, and she pulled that whole thing on top of her. And it scalded her whole little body. And I remember us, I remember my parents pulling her clothes off and her skin puffy and red and blistering. And I remember us praying, God, heal her. And I remember, it's so cool growing up in a family like this because that was the first thing. It wasn't like they said, what do we do? We call it, what, do we, what should we do? It was boom, we're all on our knees praying for her. And I remember watching her little skin just go right back to normal. Boom. And her stopped screaming. So I've seen God heal. I've seen it. Seen it with my own eyes. I'm not talking about something you see on TV or something somebody else. I've seen it here. But I've also seen it like that man, God bless him, when it didn't work, it didn't happen. There's been other times where I prayed, um, um, that same little girl, my sister, um, sorry, what? I prayed for her to be healed in her hospital bed when she died. She didn't get healed. There's times where you pray for things that you desperately want to see God do. And we go into this bargain thing with God, don't we? God, you would look so good if you did this. So many people would get saved. God, don't you know this is your will? I know this is your will to do this. There's no reason you wouldn't do this thing. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be your marriage. It could be, it could be something you're struggling with over and over and over. It could be a loved one of yours who isn't following Christ, and you know it. And you cry out for them every day, God, please do this thing. And you're wondering, God, why not? Why didn't you do it? It could be something maybe that God has called you to do or, or maybe a dream or something that he's put in your heart that you know that he's called you to do. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. Maybe it's choices you've made. And you look at the roadblocks that maybe you have put in place there and you're saying, God, are you done with me? Is this over? Is this something I should still pray for to happen? Is it too big? Is it done? Am I, did I make it happen? Maybe it's a personal struggle, a, something that you've struggled with over and over and over, and you just think, God, I've asked for you to forgive me of this and change this in me over and over and over, and I, it's just still there. Maybe for some of those things that you're wondering, it's even too late. And what happens is when we pray these prayers, and the answers are that we, we don't get the answers that meet our expectations. We've got certain things that we want God to do, and it needs to look like this, and it needs to look like this in this time frame, and when it's not happening that way, something happens in us. And what happens is we start to doubt, and we start to lack faith, and we start to doubt God, and we start to wonder if God, if this is, are you really for me? Is this really, really real? God, I want to believe you for this, but you didn't do it this one time. And I want to believe you're going to do it every time, and this hasn't happened yet. And we start to give up, and we start to, we stop praying and sometimes we maybe even lower our expectations of God. And yes, we know God is able, and we pray that, and we sing that, and we know what the Bible says in the stories, and yet in our heart, we start to lower our expectations of what he will do. Not what he's capable of, but what he will do. It's natural. You've been disappointed. 
And he hasn't met our expectations. That's what we do. But let me just put this out there that when we do that, not only are we lowering our expectations of, of what he will do, but when we do that, we lower our expectations in prayer, and then consequently, we do lower what he will do. He does less because we expect less. Now, that is a tough thing, and it's tough theologically maybe for us to get even our minds around because part of us want to think, you know what? God's going to do big things whether I pray for it or not, and he's just going to do it. And it's at these times (laughs) we wish we were Calvinists, don't we? He's just going to do it. But that doesn't match up with what the Bible says because the Bible says that we need to keep praying until he does it. But that's tough to do when when we've been disappointed or something we really believe God would do, he didn't do. And you thought you had him talked into it, and it still didn't happen. It's at those times that you need to come back and you say, what do we know for sure about this God? What do we know for sure? We know for sure that God is good. He is good. So many times we judge him based upon our experience We judge him based on our circumstances, and we look at the way our world is, and we start to question whether he is good. Not out loud, God forbid, we never do that, but we do. We start to look at maybe our physical condition and wonder, God, God, we know for sure that God is love, that he loves us. He loves us so desperately and so much, even in the middle of our heartache, Some people think that when you're going through a hard time, it's because God has walked away or he loves you less. The truth is he never loves you less than he did on the day he died for you. And there's no measure to that love. The fact is he loves you like that in and through every heartache and everything you walk through, every single thing. He loves you that much every minute. The question and the difference is whether you push him away in your doubt and your hurt and your pain during that time or whether or not you embrace him and let him walk with you through that. The truth is that God will work in and through whatever situation you find yourself in if you let him do this. I love this Romans eight twenty eight says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He is the mastermind. He is God. He is brilliant beyond our capability to even understand. His knowledge is not just more, not just quantity, but it's also quality. He fully understands and knows. What that means is he can take our foolish mistakes, even those things that we may have think have sidelined and derailed a plan that God had for us. He can take that and he can put it together and he can make something incredible out of it that we had never had in mind before. We couldn't have figured it out, but he does. And he's got plans for us beyond all of those things. What do we know for sure? This is a quote that comes out of that book, Sickle Maker. God is not offended by bold prayers. He is not offended by bold prayers. Let me be honest with you. Sometimes I come to God and I say, God, I'm going to pray a bold prayer right now. And then I laugh at myself because I'm an idiot. Like, do I really need to preface that with God? Do you think he's going to say, okay, let me hold on here. If Dennis is going to pray something bold. No. In fact, he's offended by anything less. Think about this for a minute. Our God, our God is the king of the universe. He is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. And we come to him sometimes with the smallest things and we keep from him the big, big requests because we doubt that he's going to do the big thing. 
because we've had other disappointments, because maybe we've prayed for it before and it hasn't happened yet or haven't happened the way we wanted it to in the time frame we wanted it to happen in. So because of that, we, we don't pray even the other bold things that he wants us to pray. God, bold, bold prayers actually honor God. They honor him. Sometimes it's as if we don't want to bother him, but the truth is, bold prayers, bolder prayers honor him even more. And God honors bold prayers. You know what? I, I think about sometimes how many... How many things have gone undone or unaccomplished in the kingdom that I could have been part of because I haven't prayed big prayers for them? I have shortchanged me. I've shortchanged you. I've shortchanged the people I've ministered to for the years because I haven't prayed the bigger prayers. I haven't. And God honors persistence. He honors persistence. Jesus tells a parable that really is kind of unnerving. He tells a parable about a dishonest judge, and this woman goes to him for justice, and she keeps bothering him so much that finally the judge gives her justice. Now, that doesn't imply that God is a dishonorable judge, but what the point of the parable was is that we need to be persistent in prayer. We need to keep praying. Now, part of the way I have always thought is, well, God, you know what I need. I've come to you. I've asked. Just do it. Get with it. I've never said that to him, but, but that's my attitude. That's my unspoken attitude. And what he wants us to do is to keep coming to him in prayer. Keep coming to him in prayer. There's a story in scripture. Well, let me just say this first. There's another quote from that book that I just, it really, it's really startling. A single prayer could be all that's between you and your answer. I think about that. And I think about, uh, well, anyway, let's, so what should we do? What should we do? We should pray. Get your mind around this for a minute. We should pray like an all-powerful God is on your side. <laughs> How would that change your prayers? Would you pray bolder prayers if you really were thinking about the fact that an all-powerful God was on your side? It's like we go, in a, we go through life, and it's almost like we're in this battle or a contest, and it's like they've got this on their side. I'm up against all these things. But guess who's on my side? I got, a, I got a ringer on my side. He just happens to be the king of the universe. And he's with me. He is with me. God is for you, so pray like that. God is for you, so pray like that. What I want you to do tonight when we come to the altar in a minute is I want you to pray differently. I want you to pray like this. <laughs> think about this for a minute. Now this, he, he talks about in the book, and it kind of, it's, it's interesting, but think about it for a minute. Prayer, your, your prayers are almost a type of prophecy because you're going to end up being the kind of person you're praying. Think, how you become is determined by how you pray. Did you ever think that possibly you were limited by the limitations you put on your prayers? Did you ever think that? That frightens me. And I don't want to be a person who does that anymore. So I keep telling God, I'm going to pray something bold right now. <laughs> I wonder if he laughs at us. I don't know. But there's a great story in Joshua chapter 6, a story you're very, very, very familiar with. So we're not going to read the entire story, but we're going to at least read the introduction. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. And if you remember the history and the story of this, the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River. They'd already had a couple other skirmishes. The word had gone through that area that God had freed this people group, this huge group of people 
They estimates go around 2 million or more people, and they'd wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So people knew about this. They knew that they had left Egypt. They knew about this story. There was a rumor about it. So all of a sudden, they're marching toward Jericho. Jericho is a huge, ancient, walled city. What they say is that the city was probably covered about 14 acres. They say that the walls were probably about six inches thick and double layered and probably about 70 feet high. Remember who we're talking about now again, the Israelites? How many cities like that do you think they'd seen? Not very many. Think about this for a minute. This, as I was reading this book and doing some more study on the Israelites in Jericho and this, this period in history, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you remember how that happened? Do you remember how they had sp- sent spies in under Moses? And two of the spies came out back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. But then the other 10 spies came back and said, ooh, we can't take them. There's giants in the land and on and on and on. Remember that? And so what God said is, well, then you're going you're gonna to wander in the wilderness for 40 years till, and that whole generation died. So this new generation had never been slaves in Egypt. You see that? But they had also never seen Egypt. They'd never seen the splendor of Egypt. So I wonder what they thought as they marched toward Jericho and seeing a city like this. These guys lived in tents. Their entire life had been lived in a tent, wandering around the wilderness. And all of a sudden, they're marching up to a big, big city. But this is what God said. And, and right before this in chapter 5, if you read the end of chapter 5, it's kind of cool because it says that, that the, the uh, angel of the Lord stands there and speaks to Joshua. And what some theologians tell us is probably a pre, pre-incarnate uh, Jesus, perhaps. We're not sure. But we do know this, that it was the angel of God who gave him these instructions. And he said this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hand, along with its king and its fighting men. I wonder if some of our problems, some of the bold prayers that we have hesitated to pray, or maybe we've given up on praying, are somewhat like a Jericho. Maybe they've, in your mind, they've been surrounded by the huge wall, impenetrable. There's no way you could get through it. You failed so many times that it's not even worth bringing up to God again. Maybe. So this is what the angel of the Lord told them to do. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do you guys know how many? Anybody have any idea? 600,000 armed men would have been walking around the city. They estimate that based on the size of the city and the walls, it would, would have probably taken them a half hour to walk around one time. So he said to walk around the city, do this for six days, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. I really believe that the point of this wasn't that the Israelites were going to go and just run over the city. It wasn't like that. What it was, was it was God fighting the battle for them. And I don't know about you, but that's what I need in my prayer life. I need a God who will fight the battles for me. And that when I come to him with one of these big, big, bold prayers, I need him to show up and answer it. I need him to go before me. So here's what happens. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpet, this is after the seventh time around on the seventh day, which probably would have taken them about three and a half hours. Can you imagine the dust? I'm just saying. It would have been cloud of dust. Then shout with a loud shout the entire army, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. (laughs) Wow. 
when I think of that, those walls were massive. You may have something that God is putting on your heart. And even as I'm speaking here tonight, this is how the Holy Spirit works. And I love this because probably what he's doing is he's dropping these thoughts in your mind. As I'm talking about this, he's saying, yes, son, daughter, remember this thing I said I would do for you? You haven't prayed for it in a long time. Maybe you thought it was over. Maybe you were giving up. Maybe you were about to give up. And this is this thing. Yes, it's massive. Yes, it looks impenetrable. Yes, it's imposing. Yes, it's all of that. But for the Israelites, I don't know if you realize this, but this was a 400-year promise coming, coming to fulfillment. Because when Joseph, when they all went into Egypt in the first place, God said, you will go back. 400 years being fulfilled here. So be persistent. Don't give up. Don't give up. So what about you for a minute? What dream is it you've been waiting for? What is it that you've been praying for and you feel like, God, God, it's been so long. God, I'm afraid to pray for it. God, it's too big. God, you know, what is it that you've, maybe you've resigned yourself to a certain, you know, addiction or a certain failure that you just keep repeating over and over and over. Maybe it's a certain place in life. Maybe it's a job that you know God has called you to, that you've, you've been encouraged to go after, but you've given up on it. You've settled where you're at. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a place that you've lost faith in him. Unanswered prayers. You've given up. You've resigned to failure. You've lost faith. Could be any of those things. But here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to pray until there's an answer. Pray until there's an answer. Now, believe me, I know that gets long. That gets long. That gets long. Let me just throw in one other quick thing. Sometimes we're not real clear with God about what we want. Now, sometimes I'm that way. I'm a little vague because I, I feel bad asking. That's just how I was raised. You go over to someone's house, first thing my mom would well, say before we got in, don't ask for anything. Don't ask for seconds. Thank them for whatever they give you. Clean up everything. I mean, that's how I was raised, all right? So I don't ask. I typically just don't ask. But God wants us to ask. So maybe, possibly, some of the reason you're not getting answers is you're not real clear about what you're asking for. What is it you want? I'm reminded of this story in Matthew 20, real quickly. As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, isn't that interesting, about a thousand years later in the same town? But anyway, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road when they heard that Jesus was coming that way. They began shouting for a really bold thing. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. I love this. Jesus, when he heard them, he stopped and called. What do you want me to do for you? I'm sure at least people like me said, really? You don't know what they want? They're blind. It wasn't about that. It's about him wanting to make sure that you know what you want. Ask clearly. That's why I gave you those. That's why I had Charlie give you those papers. Because what I'm going to ask you to do in a few minutes is I'm going to ask you to write down some bold prayers. Bold prayers. Now, that's why I also encourage you to grab, grab one of the prayer request cards to turn in because the, one, the, the big paper one, I want you to keep that one because I want you to keep coming back to that bold prayer every day. Here's what I challenge you to do. Pastor called us to a 21-day fast a week from Sunday, a week ago. So we have about a week and a half left in this. What I want to encourage you to do, what I want to challenge you to do, is in a minute I'm going to ask you to write down some bold prayers. Whatever God has been laying on your heart, even as I'm talking or even as in these next few minutes here. And what I want you to do is for these next 
week and a half as we complete this 21-day fast. It would end, for instance, on the way we set it up, I believe, on November 2nd, which also happens to be a men's work day, by the way, in that morning. But it would end that morning. And what pastors call is to a partial fast. And what I want to challenge you to do is add this prayer card, this bold prayer card to that, that you are coming to this. And as you are fasting that meal, or as pastor mentioned, maybe for you, you're fasting, you know, um, internet or or whatever. He mentioned a few other things that that's between God and you. I also want you to write down what these prayers are. Write them down. Write them down. I want you to start circling them prayer and start tonight. We're going to start that tonight in our altar time here. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, is to write those down on that card. And then if you feel led that you could share one of these with a, with a friend, I'd like you to do that. Because two praying for it is even better than one. Can I, can I share with you a couple of those bold prayers that I've been praying? It's kind of a risk. Someone said, if, no, if nobody laughs at your bold prayer, then it's probably not bold enough. <laughs> but I, I've been praying this for, we've been praying this in, in general terms or for a long time, but man, in the last, I don't know, a month and a half, two months, I really felt like God's challenged me to be praying really bold prayers. One of them is that God would, would bring the lost into this place. To bring people. I, I want to see, see this church. I'm praying that God would double this church, but not just for size, numbers. It has nothing to do with that. Pastor had called us as a church, as a goal, to, to increase in size you know, a year or so ago. But my bold prayer that I've been praying every single day, multiple times a day, is that God would double this congregation by bringing people who do not right now know him into faith with him. And I, here's how bold and specific I'm talking about because I started this back in September, by next September, that this would happen. I'm praying that. I'm praying that we would be debt-free as a church in a year. I know that's bold. But you know what? Why pray for anything less than that? Seriously, why not? Why? I'm going to be, I'm praying for that. Another thing God really put on my heart to pray, I would love to see us, see us birth other congregations and spread, just see more people come to Christ. Now, those are obviously church, crown point-related, bold prayers that I've been praying. And there's other ones on my list. I, let's do this for just a moment. Take a moment and write down some bold prayers on that card. This is your card for you to keep. You put it in your Bible, put it in your purse, put it in your pocket, whatever works for you. But write some things down there for a minute. Remember, God isn't offended by bold prayers. He's offended by anything less. Now, if some of these prayers are things you want us all to be praying about, be sure to grab one of those prayer cards that we pray for during our Wednesday services, because we want to be praying for those things as well. To finish off this night, I think we need to start praying for those bold prayers right now right now, tonight. I don't want you to leave here before we pray for those prayers tonight. So as soon as you're done writing those, I invite you to come down here and pray. Come up here, sit and pray. But, but move from where you are. Make a movement there. And pray for those prayers. Spend, spend time in praying for those prayers. Dave, could you put some kind of music on that would just be prayerful music for us? 
And I'm going to invite you to pray. And I'm going to get a card because I didn't get one earlier. And I'm going to join you down front here. God bless you.